By the power of your spirit. Hallelujah. Now put your hands together and give God praise. Can you do that, everybody? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. If you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter number 8, I want to give honor once again to Bishop Feld and uh, his tremendous leadership here. If you don't mind backing me up on that keyboard just a little bit, it, it, it makes me feel so much better. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and I want to, I, I tell you what, why don't we give Bishop and Sister Feld a tremendous round of applause right now. I know you got your Bibles in your hands. But, um, but I want to... I want to say what an honor and privilege it is here uh, to be here and uh, the hospitality that has been shown to me has been second to none. Give honor to Pastor Nathan Urshan and the phone call that he gave to me to be here and then uh, to Pastor Feld whose building I passed on the way in yesterday and what a beautiful facility and I'm hoping that someone will take me on a tour. Amen. Tomorrow. All right. And we are so happy about what the Lord is doing in this area. And then I want to give honor to Brother and Sister Hopper for their uh, hospitality waiting on me hand and foot. And I'm telling you, these are great people. Great people. And Sister Hopper, uh, I know most of you will not know this, but uh, we, used, we are longtime Bible quizzing rivals. Well, that's not entirely true because in order to be have a rivalry, uh, that means, you know, uh, one team can't win all the time. You know, it's got to got to be a back and forth kind of kind of arrangement, and that was the case. One team won all the time, and I'm very disappointed to tell you it was not my team; it was her team. And uh, but uh, so I've I've known Sister Hopper for quite a while, a long time. And this is a great couple. Amen. And then Brother and Sister Williams. Brother and Sister Williams. What a tremendous job she does on the music and the host and the beautiful home that I'm staying in. Amen. Praise God. Now listen, I have to confess to you. I have struggled with what to preach tonight. And I came in prepared to preach something entirely different. About ten minutes ago. The Lord began to deal with me, and I taught this little lesson to our church, uh, Pastor Feld, just a few weeks ago, and I feel ordained of God to preach it tonight. Is that all right with everybody? Is that all right? And I feel like God wants to touch somebody, and like I said before, He's going to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost tonight. That's why we're here. We're not here to entertain one another. We're here to see another soul. Pulled from the grips of the adversary. If you believe it one more time, put your hands together and give God praise. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, uh, my dear brother on the sound. You have helped me tremendously. Thank you very much. The book of Romans, chapter number 8, will begin reading in verse number 18. 
verse number 18. The word of the Lord states this. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. For the earnest, everybody say earnest, expectation, everybody say expectation, of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. I want to preach tonight on this subject. The expectations of an unseen church. The expectations of an unseen church. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands and cry out to God with expectation tonight. Can you do that? In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We give you praise tonight, oh God. God, we believe that you're going to change somebody's life. We believe that you are going to revolutionize the hearts and the minds of those that are hungry for a deeper walk, for a greater touch. We believe it all in the name of the Lord Jesus would you put your hands together one more time and somebody, would you cry out to God? Would you give God a mighty shout of praise? Hallelujah! Let's fill this house with praise. Amen, amen, amen. If you're going to help me preach, you may be seated. Expectations are powerful because they are the frames into which people fit reality. People are much more likely to see what they expect, what they expect to see, even when it differs from what may actually be occurring at any given moment. Social psychologists have referred to this as the Pygmalion effect. The Pygmalion effect is based on the Greek myth about Pygmalion, a sculptor who carved a beautiful uh, statue of a beautiful woman. He fell in love with the statue and he literally brought it to life by the strength of his perception. Research on the phenomenon of self-fulfilling prophecies provides ample evidence that other people act in ways that are consistent with our expectations of them. If we expect others to fail, they will probably fail. If we expect others to succeed, they will probably Succeed. There's a valuable lesson here regarding our precious young people. If we expect them to fail, they will probably fail. 
But if we expect our young people to succeed, the likelihood is that they will succeed. Can somebody say amen? Allow me to parenthetically insert here, if we expect God to fail, He will probably fail. He probably will not come through on our behalf. It's an issue of faith. But if we expect God to succeed, He will probably succeed. Can I go ahead and tell you, when we expect revival, we'll probably get revival. Well, I wish I had some help here tonight. When we expect a miracle, a miracle will most likely show up. How many have high expectations put on God tonight? How many believe that God can? How many believe that God will? How many came into this service tonight and you expect that tonight I'm going to get a blessing? Tonight I'm going to see favor. Amen, amen. You may be seated. High expectations are not just fluff that we hold in our minds to keep a positive outlook or to psych ourselves up. Another person's belief in our abilities accomplishes much more than that. The expectations that people hold provide the framework into which people fit their own realities. These frameworks play a vital role in the development of people. You probably won't be able to turn a marble statue into a real person. But you just might have the ability to draw the highest potential out of those relationships that surround you. Positive images create positive possibilities. I'm going to say that again. Positive images create positive possibilities. Now, you must understand something very clearly tonight. I have not come to preach to you about the power of positive thinking. I have not come to preach to you think and grow rich. I have not come to preach to you about the theory of positive mental attitude. Although I might say it will do some of us some good sometimes. No, I've simply come to remind someone tonight that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. But it doesn't stop there. Now faith is the evidence of things not seen. Last night we said it is the person that can see the invisible, that can do the impossible. Somebody shout right now, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see the evidence. I don't see just a hope, I don't have just a thought, but I see the evidence of revival. I see the evidence of a young preacher. I see the evidence of a young pastor's wife. I see it. Now, you got to understand, I, 
I'm working this out tonight. I'm working this out while I'm in this pulpit. So bear with me. You may be seated. Positive expectation. Positive expectation. Yield positive results. They also begin to create positive images in our minds and generate other positive possibilities. Possibilities that turn into probabilities of what God not only can do but what God will do Amen positive futures for self and others are first constructed in our minds researchers tell us that what that, that we see what our imaginative, imaginative horizons allow us to see the fact that God created all of us with the inherent right to see visions. Aha. Uh-huh. We preached about that last night, didn't we? I think we did. The fact that God created all of us with the inherent right to see visions of what He has for us and that He might communicate these visions to us is hardly a subject that is worth debating. You heard me say it last night that God has always communicated with His people through the power of seeing, through the power of vision, and subsequently through the power of high expectations. Seeing is believing, and the results can be life-affirming, and they can be life-enhancing, especially when we espouse the belief of the Apostle Paul when he said now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think ask or think it begins in the mind according to the power that worketh in us what do you think that power is it is by the help of the Holy Ghost it is the power to see and to create in your mind a high expectations because I've come to preach to somebody tonight when you have a high expectation you will see a high performance Uh, I need some help in here right now. I said when you have a high expectation, you will see a high performance. When you have a high expectation of what God can do, you see the God of heaven and earth say, I will, I will, I will perform. I will work a miracle. I will work on your behalf. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Touch somebody and say expectations. I said say expectations. Can I preach right now? When we put high expectations on our young men, it leads to a high performance in their walk with God. When we put high expectations on our young ladies, it leads to a high performance.
performance. I've come to preach to some young people tonight. You're looking at a preacher that believes in you. You're looking at a preacher that believes you can do anything you put your mind to. You go ahead and be everything God called you to be. Do everything God called you to do. I need some I need some parents to praise God about that. That's why. That's why. When every time I come to church, you know where I'm going with this. Every time I come to prayer meeting, I expect that God can. It is a posture of expectation. You may be seated. We now understand the power of expectations. Now let us listen to what the word of the Lord has to say about the expectation that all of the creation has toward the sons of God, toward the church of the living God. Romans chapter 8 verse 19 we read in your hearing tonight for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God for the apostle fired at the thought of the future glory of the saints he pours forth in this splendid passage in which He represents the whole of creation as it is groaning under its present degradation. He looks at creation as it is moaning and it is groaning under the weight of sin. I need some young people to listen to what I'm preaching tonight. It is groaning. Creation is groaning under the filth and the debauchery of sin. It's the weight of the cares of this life. It is the weight of the world that is on their shoulders. They don't have the privilege of the help of the Holy Ghost. But the Apostle Paul said here, he said they are groaning under their present degradation. And they are looking and they are longing for the revelation of this glory as the end and consummation of its existence. Am I all right here tonight? They are waiting. They are waiting. They are in expectation, the Bible says. The earnest expectation. Whoo, I got a burden in my spirit tonight. Of the creature is waiting. Not just the expectation, but it is the earnest expectation. They are under the weight of sin. They are under the weight of the world. And the Bible says they are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. I don't know about you tonight, but when I walked into this place, as we were singing and shouting and dancing unto the Lord, as sounds of celebration were permeating the atmosphere 
of this Pentecostal church, I heard the cries of some lonely people. I heard the cries of some desperate people. I heard the cries of people that are on their way to hell. And they are expecting that before we leave this place tonight, that in this room there are the sons of God. In this room are the greatest preachers that we will ever hear. In this room are the greatest songwriters that we will ever, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now, are the greatest songwriters that will ever pin the words of an apostolic hymn. But right now, they can't find them. They are searching for them. They are longing for them. But not only are they looking for you, they are expecting that by the time you leave this place tonight, the sons of God will have the cover jerked off of them and they will be revealed. My God, I hear the cry. Can I preach right now? I hear the cry of somebody that has the proverbial gun to their head. I hear the cry of somebody that is contemplating busting up their marriage. I hear the cry of somebody that is desperate. Somebody that is hopeless. And they are waiting for you to be revealed. The earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for. The words that the Apostle Paul uses here are exceedingly strong. It literally denotes a continuous watching. A continuous pursuing, as one commentator said with outstretched heads bent over with outstretched heads and outstretched hands and they are waiting with eagerness I want you to pay attention now to the posture of the unseen church they have eyes bugged out. They have their neck craned, head cocked to the side. They have their hands out. And they're walking. And they're searching with earnest expectation. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. They're waiting for a young man to be called to preach. They're waiting for a missionary to be called to a faraway land. They're waiting for somebody to knock on their door with a Bible study chart. Oh, Lord. They're waiting for somebody to be what God has called. It is the expectation. 
visitation of the unseen church. You know what I know? I know this, that they are here and they are looking. They want to see something. They want to hear something. And they want to touch something. Oh, no. Are you hearing me now? I said they want to see. They expect, Brother Urshan, to see something. My God. They expect to hear something. And they expect to feel something. They are in this posture because they are ready, as one commentator put it, for the redemption of their bodies from the grave. This is the posture of the unseen church. And they have high expectation. It is the unseen church. We'll shout here in just a moment, I promise you. It is the unseen church that is ready for a revolution. A quiet revolution is rocking the nation. An unseen revolution by the unseen church. The media are oblivious to it. Scholars are clueless about it. The government has caught a glimpse of it in the past election but has mostly misinterpreted its nature and its motivation. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? Most churches are only vaguely aware that something seems different, but they have little idea what it's all about. Let me welcome you to the revolutionary age. The community of faith has instigated many ages throughout history. Church history recounts such times as the apostolic age, the time of the martyrs, the era of the desert fathers, the period of the mystics, the reformation, the great awakening, and the missionary age, to name a few. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we have the revolutionary age. It fits our cultural context, does it not? Newspapers, magazines, and televisions. Television shows belts out endless stories about the information revolution, the technological revolution, the sexual revolution, the globalization revolution, the entrepreneurial revolution, the conservative revolution, and we could keep going. It is amazing that most people are unaware that the most important renaissance of them all the spiritual revolution that is reshaping Christianity. It is reshaping personal faith. It is reshaping religious experiences. And it is reshaping the moral contours of the nation. Revolution is one of those big ideas that has caught fire among marketers. In recent years, they have capitalized on the word hoping to generate the almighty street buzz by exploiting the dangerous feel of the term. Webster, our dear brother Webster, not one to succumb to societal pressure and to exaggerate defines a revolution 
as an overthrow or repudiation and thorough replacement of an established government or a political system by the people governed. It adds that a revolution may also be a radical and pervasive change in society and the social structure. I've come to ask somebody here tonight, are you ready for a revolution? Oh, we got some work to do tonight. I said I've come to ask somebody tonight, are you ready for a revolution? Do you believe your church can be the biggest church in your city? Do you believe? I said, do you believe that on one Sunday morning the fire of the Holy Ghost can fall and it can change your church forever? Do you believe that in one week your church can double? In one month your church can triple? In one month your youth ministry can double? Are you ready for a revolution? You may be seated. Let's continue here tonight. Webster is aptly describing the transformation occurring in American spirituality today. Millions of devout followers of Jesus Christ are repudiating tepid systems and practices of Christian faith and introducing a shift in how their faith is influencing the world because human beings become what they believe and practicing what they believe is the swiftest and surest means of generating a lasting change I'm fixing to preach I'm fixing to bring it Research states that already there are well over 20 million in mainstream Christianity that are seeking to overthrow and repudiate established systems of Christianity as they know it. Are y'all ready to have church? I quote the research. They have no use for churches that play religious games. Okay, let, let, me, let me change the way that this is worded. You have no use for churches that play religious games. You eschew ministries that compromise or soft sell our sinful nature. You refuse to follow people who seek popularity rather than a proclamation of the truth in their public statements. You refuse to donate one more dollar 
to a man-made monument and you are unimpressed by accredited decrees and endowed chairs in colleges and seminaries that produce young people incapable of defending the Bible or unwilling to devote their life to serving others and you are embarrassed by language that promises Christian love and holiness but turns out to be all sizzle and no substance. I've come to preach to you about the unseen church. I've come to preach to you about a church that has placed expectations on the church of the living God. High expect. That's why we don't have time for dead preaching. I know. Don't play with me now. I said that's why we don't have time for dead preaching. That's why we don't have time to have one more service without a miracle. To have one more service without an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. To have one more dead church dry service. The unseen church has high expectations. Somebody clap your hands and magnify the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my distinct honor, it is my privilege to introduce to you tonight Hell's worst nightmare. Sin's greatest antidote and evil's arch nemesis. It's been through the flood, but the flood couldn't turn it. It's been through the fire, Woo! but the fire couldn't burn it. It was fed to the lions. But the lions couldn't eat it. It's fought a lot of wars, but it's never been defeated. It's the church. It's the church. It's the church. Triumphant. Somebody ought to clap your hands and thank God for the church. You ought to lift your voice and thank God for the church. You ought to sing and shout and thank God for the church of the living God. Young people, you listen to Brother Keller tonight.
That's why I'm not looking for a way out. But I'm looking for a way in. I'm not looking for a way out, Bishop, of what all of creation is looking for a way into. You know what I declare tonight? I declare that every young person that is on their way out the back door, get your hide turned around, get back to this altar, and don't you block the people that are trying to get in. Can I preach my burden tonight? Young people, you are in the safest place that you'll ever be. You're in a place where hell can't touch you. You're in a place where disease can't rack your body. You're in a place. You're in a place that is covered by the blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. You're in the most exciting place in town. You're in the church. You're in the church. You're in the church. Stay in the church. Somebody say yay. Somebody say yay. And it's the church. Triumphant. I feel like singing that right now. You know, we might just have old camp meeting style church in here tonight. It's hot enough outside. When I left my house yesterday morning, it was 17 degrees, Bishop. I came in the right direction. It's the church. Triumphant. Oh Lord, and it's been built by His hand. It's the church that should not seek after low expectations, ah, but should always be in the continuous, passionate pursuit of high performance. That it might meet the expectation. You're not hearing me preach right now. That it might meet. Oh, oh, I'm under the weight of sin. I'm under the weight of despair. But wait a minute. I hear a shouting church on Canal Avenue. I hear red hot Holy Ghost preaching. I might get what I need at the church.
with their necks craned, hands forward, head cocked to the side. It is very apparent that the posture of the unseen church is that they have a strong desire to hear something that they've never heard before. I feel like preaching right now. Can I use a southern colloquialism? Until it hair lips every devil in hell. They have their ears trained. <laughs> Because what they are expecting to hear is a distinct sound. It is a certain sound. It's the same sound that the thousands on the day of Pentecost were expecting to hear. And the apostle Peter lived up to their high expectations. When the ears of the unseen church began to hear the preaching of Pentecost, oh, then Peter preached. You didn't hear me. Then Peter, 3,000 people, Then Peter preached, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they started to straighten up a little bit, and they started to lift their head a little bit. Because they begin to hear something that they've never heard before. It's the same preaching that the dry bones heard in the valley. Oh Lord, I feel like preaching right now. Where Ezekiel stood and spoke, and my God, the wind blew, and the bones stood up. On their feet, the Bible said, and they became an exceeding great army. The expectations of the unseen church are that of preaching. That when that preacher is finished, the wind is going to blow. And everything that is in that house that is dead will live again. Oh, God. Starting to feel too much at home. I just told the bishop, thank you. I'm starting to feel too at home right now, but can I just be me? They didn't come to hear. They didn't come to hear. Well, God loves you. Can I preach right now, Lord? Somebody help this white boy. Huh? They didn't come to hear, well, well, you're not a victim, you're a victor. While sitting on a stool, 
with a slick PowerPoint presentation or media presentation. No! 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 They came to see a red-eyed, red-hot, Holy Ghost-filled apostolic preacher stand up behind a sacred desk and preach me out of my sin. Preach Preach me till I'm standing up straight. Preach me until I'm delivered. Somebody preach me until there's a resurrection. I'm talking about preaching that brings a resurrection. That's what they want to hear. They want the redemption of their bodies from the grave. They want preaching that brings a resurrection. I've got news for you tonight that the man behind the pulpit in every Pentecostal service should not be the only one preaching. It's just good old cornbread and beans tonight, y'all. He should not be the only one preaching. Well, I've heard that before. I've heard Acts 2.38 a thousand times. I've heard John 3.16 a thousand times. I've heard Acts 4.12 a thousand. Hey, it don't matter. When your pastor, oh, when your pastor gets up behind this pulpit and he preaches, I don't care if it's the first time you ever heard it or you've heard it seven Sundays in a row. There's an earnest expectation that ought to burn in your soul and say, preach, pastor. Preach them straight. Preach a resurrection. Preach salvation. Because pastor failed, there just might be sitting next to me in that service a member of the unseen church. And they want to hear something that they've never heard before. Ezekiel's boneyard. Does history offer a more ridiculous picture than this? This is hopelessness incarnate. Can you think of a more deaf, dumb, and dead audience? than this boneyard. Let me preach right now. Hirelings, sermonizers, motivational speakers deal with possibilities. But apostolic preachers preach to impossibilities. And are written over this whole situation in large capital letters was the word impossibility. And the reason we have too many filling the pulpit dealing with only possibility is because there is no faith and no power 
no faith and no power is needed for what is possible. But it is only a morsel of atom-powered faith that is needed for the impossible. I've come to preach to somebody tonight and you're addicted to drugs. I've come to preach to somebody tonight and you've got a pornography problem. You've got a problem in your finances. You've got problems in your marriage. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I don't care what you walked in here when you said it was impossible when you walked in. But I've come to tell you there's a power of the Holy Ghost in, ow, in this house tonight. And there's about to be a resurrection of an impossible situation. And the first thing, Brother Hopper, the unseen church has laid on the sons of God with their expectations is red hot, power packed, full of faith and the Holy Ghost preaching by a preacher that doesn't care how ugly the situation is. By a preacher that doesn't care how much money the inhabitants of the boneyard have in their bank account. I'm going to preach right now by a preacher that doesn't care what color of skin is going to be put back on the bones. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said by a preacher that don't care what color that skin is going to be when it's put back on the bones. By a, by a preacher that don't care if it's red or yellow, black or white. I've come to preach to somebody that is living in hell. All I know, all the unseen church knows is that somebody is dead. Somebody is lifeless. But they need a resurrection. I got to hurry, but I'm having too much fun hair-lipping hell right now. We had, I'm going to make a long story short. We had a young man that uh, had been to our church several times, not actually to a service, but singing groups had rented our facilities to use for concerts, okay? And so he played plays the keyboard, plays all the instruments, but he's a producer and a, and, a, and a piano player, keyboard player. And I'll never forget, Bishop, the first time I saw him. And I'm going to tell you, he was blinging. He had bling in his ears. He had bling around his neck. He had bling about that big medallion you know he had bling on his fingers he had bling everywhere baby man and he was a nice young guy and he could play the instrument and I'll never forget one day I looked back we had a guest preacher that day. 
who got all up in our grill. You hear me? I mean, he preached. Slapped us around a little bit. Kind of whipped us into shape like you need to be whipped into shape once in a while. But he was a red-hot preacher. Anointed of the Holy Ghost. And I saw my friend come in the back door. member of the unseen church and I cringed my flesh cringed and I thought of all day for him to come to church I mean the cat lives up in Chicago and he drove down to come to church and this is after some time of building a relationship with him I thought oh God what am I going to do what am I going to do? We've lost it. We've lost it. Absolutely lost it. Good knowing you, Bubba. Brother Urshan, when that preacher was finished, I looked at that back row. And he was leaned over, Bishop, just like this. And he was heaving. And he was shaking. And I went back there and laid my hands on him. And he looked up at me and he said, I have never felt anything like this in my life. Now listen. Here's the reason I was nervous. Because he plays the keyboard for people like Israel Houghton and just produced Yolanda Adams' CD. Uh-huh. Has anybody ever heard of those people? He travels full-time with a guy by the name of Jay Moss. And you see what the flesh can't see. A member of the Unseen Church has an expectation. He walked up to me after service. He's about this tall. He pointed his finger in my chest and he said, David Keller, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm coming to your church. He said, I don't care what you say. This is what I've been looking for my entire life. He said, and if I named them right now, everybody would know who they are. So-and-so has offered me, they run 18000 has offered me $10,000 a month to show up on Sunday morning and play the organ. So-and-so has offered me this much. And T.D. Jakes has offered him this much. And, and so-and-so. But he said, I don't care how much you pay me. You don't have to pay me anything. I don't have to play. I just want to be here to hear some red-hot preaching. He said, I'm tired of prosperity doctrine. I'm tired of feel-good preaching. He said, I want something that'll change my life. That's been two years ago. And Sunday, Sunday afternoon, Bishop failed. I'm going to walk up on that platform. And there's Floyd. Because every Sunday, he's there. And he's on that organ. And he's romping on that thing. 
and he's worshiping while he's playing. And every time I preach and he backs me up on that organ, you feel what I'm saying now? And it makes me preach like a white man. Uh huh. Uh, he comes up to me and he says, Preacher, David, I want to let you know something. I love this church better every Sunday that I come. I've come to preach to you. When your preacher preaches, don't you cringe when you have a visitor with you. Don't you? But you stand up on your feet and you say, Preach. Preach the word. Preach it without fear. My God, Preach it without fear. Preach it without favor. Pray. By the way, there's no more bling. No more bling. But he came in, hunched over, looking for something he's never seen before. A member of the unseen church with his ear trained. And that crane, hands out. Not only have they come to hear the preaching of Pentecost. God, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. But they have come expecting to see the power of Pentecost. They expect to see and to be an eyewitness of his majesty they expect to see the miraculous I declare miracles in this room right now they expect to see somebody delivered oh yeah they expect the expectation of the unseen church Acts 3, as the lame man was healed, which was healed, held Peter and John. All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Sodom. Greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel at this? Or why do you look so earnestly upon us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Peter asked the question, Why do you look so earnestly? I'll tell you why, Peter. Because when they showed up, they didn't know how. 
And they didn't know who, but they did know a miracle has got to happen. They expected that lame man to walk. Expectations are fulfilled in the most unlikely places. Expectations are filled in your youth service that has 10 young people in it. Expectations of the unseen church are fulfilled in your Sunday morning service that's just not quite what you want it to be. In the most unlikely When we purchased our new facility, Brother Urshan, we purchased, purchased it from an Assembly of God church. Beautiful people. Very kind people to us. But I'm talking about the most unlikely of places. In the most unlikely people. And they asked us, can we have a transition service with you? Can we, can we have a joint service with you? Oh, yes. And we had meetings outlining what could be said and what could not be said. This is just for the community. But the unseen church had different expectations. We walked into that place with 1,500 people. Their praise team sang, their pastor spoke. Our pastor spoke, our praise team sang. Our pastor got to that pulpit and he preached for about 10 minutes. And you could feel a holy rumble begin to build in that place. And I turned to somebody and I said, Oh my God, we're fixing to have church in here and nobody can stop it. Our praise team sang after our pastor preached for 10 minutes. And when I tell you that by the hundreds, by the hundreds, there were assembly of God people that came pouring down those aisles. They were shouting, they were dancing, and the Holy Ghost fell. And they began to talk in another tongue as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. I had the mic, and I tried to shut it. I tried to say, okay. They had placed limitations on us. And they said, in one hour, you got to be done. One hour was up. I said, everybody put your hands together. You're dismissed. And I was looking at that senior pastor, pastor of the largest church in our city. And I put the mic down and walked away. And when I walked away, I began to hear something behind me as people begin to shout and they begin to scream and they begin to run the aisles. And that senior pastor came up to me and he said, don't stop. He said, can you come to our church more often and sing? I've come to tell you, when you expect it the least, an unseen church says, I got to see something that I've never seen.
before. Come to the instruments, please. Oh, Lord. And here they are. Been over. Awaiting the redemption of the bodies from the grave. Hands stretched out. Neck craned. Eyes looking. Because they not only expect to hear the preaching of Pentecost. And they not only expect to see the power of Pentecost. But they have an expectation to feel the presence of Pentecostal worship. We don't have, and I've hurried through this tonight, but we don't have time. We don't have time for one more dead apostolic church service. I've heard give God the glory 17,342 times. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Bishop Feld's up here shouting, going crazy. And I got to at least stand up and. No, 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 no. Uh huh? No. I don't care if it's Wednesday night Bible study. I don't care, sis, if you sing, Hold the Fort, for I am coming. It doesn't matter. If you sing, I want it all back. That was a little test right there. If you sing, I want it all back. Or if you sing, thank God for the blood. Young people, there's somebody sitting next to you. With their hands out. In anticipation. And I don't care how good you're dressed. I'm just going to get down to where we're living tonight. I don't care how long you spend on your hairdo for midwinter conference. There's somebody here tonight with their hands out, with their eyes bugged out, and they want to feel something that they've never felt before. They want to hear something. I say we live up to their expectations. Hey, they heard that we're a shouting church. They heard that we're a worshiping church. I say their high expectations ought to lead to a high performance. That was just my introduction. I'm teasing. I'm done. The other week, the other week, oh man, I got stories to tell, man. I got too many to tell right now. I'm so full tonight, brother. Failed. The other week, I saw that the, all the way in the far right section, I saw two young men come in. They were African-American young men. I, I'm telling you that for a purpose. And they came in that side door over there. And I just happened to notice them. That when they came in, they were kind of laughing and looking around, you know. And man, we were having church. 
Oh, Lord. Ain't nobody feeling me in the house tonight. We were having church without the R. Uh-huh. We had taken the R out. And we were having church. And I mean, that band was rocking. Boo had the mic. Was screaming as usual. I was screaming. I don't know how to talk normal. And then all of a sudden I looked over there. And we had had prayer service. And I looked over there. And I saw both of them. Flat out on their back talking in tongues. I mean they'd been there about ten minutes. And I preached, and after service, they came up to me. No, I didn't preach. Somebody else preached. I was leading service. And they came up to me, and they said, What is your name? I said, My name is David Keller. With all the brother I could, you know. My name is David Keller. Nice to meet you. And they said, Listen, we don't know what just happened to us right there. But when we walked into this place, the reason we came in is because we were driving around to all the churches today. And we were making fun of all of them. They said that's all we had to do today was drive around and make fun of churches. And they said, they said, well, this one probably sits there and sings opera. And this one probably does something. And these people probably hoop. And these people probably, you know, they were just trying to identify each church. But they said, when we drove by this church, we said, do you feel what I feel? And they said, let's go in and check it out. Ain't nobody here to be preached right now. And they said, when, you, when we walked in, you were in the microphone. And they said, we said, my God, that's a brother with a microphone. And I've never sounded like a black man a day in my life. But God knew what they needed to hear. I wish I could sound like an African American brother, but I just can't. And they said, we came in. We came in to make fun. And what I told them was, you came in to touch. <laughs> but by the time you left, you had been touched by the power of the Holy Ghost because the church of the living God always exceeds expectations. You didn't hear me. I said because the church of the living God always exceed expectations. And they're going to come into your youth service. Oh, oh. 
they're going to come into your service Sunday morning ready waiting and they're going to be like the man that brought to our church just a few months ago the wealthiest man in our city his home is 55,000 square feet he's a personal friend to the president one of the largest Republican donors in the nation but you're going to be they'll be like this man who's he has 2300 employees the chaplain over all of his employees is racked with cancer and he said if I know a place that can pray for my friend and the power of God touch him he said I know just the church and he walked in but you know what brother Urshan when he walked in he didn't come for his friend. He came bent over with his neck craned out and his ear trained to hear something. And I'll never forget when the altar call was given, the wealthiest man in our city, 2,300 employees, two private jets, 55,000 square foot house, sold a horse just for $3 million the other day was in that altar. I had my hand on his head and he was talking in tongues. Because he came expecting something else. But by the time he left the church, I wish somebody would shout with me right now. The church, the church, the church had exceeded his expectations. Somebody clap your hands. Magnify the Lord. Preacher, praise saints. We're about to have revival. We're about to have a move of God that is bigger than anything. And I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. And I don't know why I preach this at a youth conference. Maybe it's not a youth conference. I don't know. I don't know. Tonight, maybe it's not. But I feel the Holy Ghost came tonight to tell somebody. Somebody who's been frustrated. Somebody who has been beating your head against the wall. Revival has not come like you want it to come. At a harvest, you have not seen the harvest that you want to see. And young people, you listen to me. Your youth group isn't as large as you dream it being. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? And you're weary because you don't have the money to compete with somebody down the road. And you don't have the talent that somebody over here has. And you don't have the buildings and you don't have... And I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight. 
But I've come ordained in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody. The unseen church isn't looking for flashing lights. You hearing me now? They're not looking for flashing lights. They're not looking for entertainment. They're not looking for silver-tongued orators. And young people, the young people of your city are not looking for the next rabbit to be pulled out of the hat. But they are listening for the sounds of your pastor to preach and for you to preach with your pastor. Sunday morning, I don't want one of you sitting on your pastor. You have stood with me this entire time tonight, and I'm an out-of-town preacher. But I want you to, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I want you to hear me. These men on this platform are the best preachers you'll ever hear in your life. I feel to do this. I feel to do this. And this man right here can out-preach me any day of the week. And this man right here, when he stands behind his pulpit, can, can preach you into more and out of more than I could ever dream of preaching you in and out of. Are you listening to what I'm telling you? And you stand, I feel the Holy Ghost if I've ever felt it. And you stand and you preach until somebody gets the Holy Ghost. And you worship until somebody, I feel... I feel a Holy Ghost bomb about to drop in this place. And you may not have Floyd Thomas on the keyboard. And you may not have the best music. But you clap your hands. You lift your voice and shout. You get out in the island dance. I wish I had a young person that would shout your hair down right now. I wish I had a young man that would shout their shirt tail out. Somebody, somebody needs you. Lift your hands, everybody in the house right now. Come on. I want you to scream right now. In faith. No, 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 no. There's an unseen church passing this church right now. There's an unseen church waiting to hear something. We ought to open those doors and shout until somebody pulls in this parking lot and receives a Holy Ghost. Not one more dead church service. Not one more dry sermon. Not one more service without a miracle. Not one more service without somebody getting the Holy Ghost. We have too many expectations on us. I wish somebody right now would live up to the expectation of the unseen church. The call of creation is waiting, is waiting for the manifestation. I want you to get out and come to this altar right now. As close as you can.
Where's this praise team at? In God. Just have faith in God. Have Come on now. 